thanks for tuning in. This is Down the Fandom Hole, a podcast about the creative side of fandom and its amazing queer community. Join our host, fanfic writer and queer bear extraordinaire, Ayaka Spencer, as she and fellow fan creators share their fandom stories, talk creativity, and discuss inclusive spaces. While you listen, visit patreon.com slash down the fandom hole and check out the free companion post for this episode. There you'll find creative content from today's guests, recommendations and shout outs to other fandom creators, as well as links to follow Aya and her guests. So hop to it and check it out. Aloha, my lovely fan beans. Today's episode is short and sweet. It's Fandom Friday, October 22nd. And as always, I want to thank Ceci Wrights for lending her voice to record the new intro for this show. Check her out on Audio Frick Books on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and AO3. Also, a heaping thank you to my awesome supporters and equally awesome listeners for tuning in. On today's episode, I also had a couple of surprise co-hosts join in. Both are extremely cute and had quite a bit to say. I'm your host, Ayaka Spencer, and this is part two of my conversation with Jess, a.k.a. Mysterious in Value. So take a moment to settle into your favorite spot, Lace up those sneakers, pull up that current whip, and let's get this show started. What are you most proud of for yourself? This is just a general question, something that you've accomplished and, you know, you're like, yeah, I did that. This is awesome. This is me. It's basically brag moment. Oh, I'm not good at that. Um... Share your awesomeness. (laughs) I can't say completed school yet because I'm still going through school, but I guess, um, I guess I'm more proud of my work. I mean, it took me a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to climb the stairs of sexism, which mm. was great. What was that like? If you don't mind talking about it? Well, <laughs> I got accused a lot and with like some pretty crude language that the only reason why certain opportunities were given to me was because I was a woman, but that wasn't obviously the case. I just asked before those people did. And on the same, at the same time, uh, because the fact that I was looked down on from like the beginning we like first stepping foot into a shop i had to work like a hundred times as hard as a male counterpart i had probably three or four new guys that got hired on with me around my age and they you know they never got any shit uh that's great for them you know happy for them (laughs) i hope they're doing well uh, but I didn't get the same reception, obviously. And people just thought that they were a little bit too lenient on me for, because I was a woman that was always their, their thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you only, you're only getting opportunities cause you have a vagina. Like I've been told that so many times it's gotten old, but yeah. Uh, once, once I finally like got the hang of stuff because it can be like really it can really stress you out. Yeah. <laughs> Having yeah. being alone, essentially not knowing anything. I mean, yeah, I went to school for it mm-hmm. for nine months, but I also went to Wyoming for this. 
And the training that I got was basically obsolete. Mm -hmm. uh, all those engines that I worked on and was taught to work on and the transmissions and the, you know, the truck, um, all that stuff was something that I don't see ever. I think I've seen maybe one, one or two of those engines uh -huh. in real life, like actually having to work on it. Uh, you just don't see them anymore. And so I was coming in basically with no knowledge, just theory, how an engine works, you know, it turns, rotates, <laughs> all that, all that good stuff. Um, the very basics. Yeah. The basics, which you'd be surprised. Not a lot of people know. Um, really? They, they can pick them apart, but it doesn't mean that they actually know what happens in an engine, which is kind of interesting. And I started out really thin at the time, and that was bad too. You mean like body wise or like knowledge wise? Uh, body wise. <laughs> and the reason why it's an issue is because of the stuff that I have to lift every day. I bet it, the majority of those parts are heavy, they aren't light. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they're freaking heavy. <laughs> and when I obviously didn't know how much everything weighed because we didn't have to take anything off when I went to school. Like we weren't rebuilding engines or anything like I do now. Mm -hmm. So basically when I was in school, they had these freestanding engines, engines that were just on stands and we did like some tests on them and things like that, but you didn't take anything off and they didn't really teach you the parts that were on the engines because they were obsolete, like I said. And because Wyoming doesn't have emissions, <laughs> I didn't learn any of the emissions portion of the trucks. So when I started uh, learning about all that stuff, or when I would get a job and they'd be like, okay, here, replace this EGR cooler. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And I would just like, I wouldn't say that out loud, but in my head, I'm like, what the hell? Like, where the hell is that at? So I would just like walk away with like a nod and I'd be like, fuck, I have to figure this out, you know? <laughs> uh -huh. Wow. And when you're first starting out, even though people are going to be against you, which yeah, they did talk a lot of shit um uh -huh. a lot in spanish which you know uh which i know yeah but they didn't know i know so that worked in my favor that's always fun yeah i had to ask a lot of questions because obviously i didn't know a lot of things and the great thing about asking questions which everybody should do is that everybody does things a different way so the way that I take apart an engine is different from the way somebody else is going to. Mm -hmm. And so you get to see different perspectives and then choose which one you want to use. And then you just reform it over time. Mm -hmm. Over time, you get the same jobs, you go, you get faster, you get faster and faster and faster. And eventually like you'll probably top out somewhere. It took me probably about, a year and a half to get up to time. But then once I started making time, <laughs> I just was just getting, like I said, I was just getting faster and faster to the point where 
the guys in the shop were telling me to slow down because it was ruining their numbers. It was making them look bad. And oh. I looked at them and I was like, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> because I had gotten so much shit and I had to try so hard to even be respected in the industry, you know? Uh So like when they started telling me shit like that, I was like, um, no, actually (laughs) like no, because you walked in here probably like scratched your ass for like two years and they were fine with you being here. But I had to like, like really freaking work to for people to even notice me. I had one guy, uh-huh. a mechanic, who always came to me for help. And we have our we have like badges on our shirts that have our names. Uh-huh. So you can see my name. Uh-huh. And this guy would I don't know if he legitimately just like went out of his way to call me a different name every time. Really? Yeah, even though it was on my shirt. But yeah, he would call me different names every time. And at first, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. He did it a couple times. I was like, okay, I don't really talk to him. I don't know him. Mm -hmm. I'll let it go. And then it kept happening. So then I started calling him different names. And he just looked at me. And I was like, well, what the fuck, dude? Like, have some respect. You're asking me for help, but you can't even call me by my name? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like. Yeah, there's, they can be really something else. This industry is crazy. I've had a lot of the older guys, uh, when I first showed up to the shop that I'm at right now, because I transferred about a year and a half in, and um, they had assumed that like I was going to be like the other girl in the shop, but I trained that girl. <laughs> Um, she didn't last at uh, Lama La- well, at the other location that I was at, uh-huh. because she lived like fucking like three or four hours away one way. I was like, uh-huh. "You're crazy, yeah, insane." So she transferred within like three weeks or something, and she started doing diagnostics over there. So she's never put her hands on an engine. The last time she put hands on an engine is when I was training her for um, Cummins for a specific engine called Cummins. Um, okay. And uh, everybody made fun of her for it because she's not that great of a diagnostic person. Uh-huh. And she like refuses to get dirty. So they thought when I came that I was going to be the same way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the older guys like would tell me like there's, this is no place for you. Like you don't belong on the floor. And I was like, excuse me, (laughs) what? So then, you know, I had already, I had known when I transferred that I was going to have to do that all over again because that must be so disheartening sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of dumb, but I mean, when I came over, of course, my managers from the previous place told the new ones that uh, what I could do, what I was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So I had, they spoke of me highly, but obviously they're the only ones that hear that. Mm-hmm. They don't tell the floor that. So when you go to the floor, it's like a whole nother animal right? because they're going to, they're going to see what you can do. And for every mistake that you make, they're going to nitpick. 
right. because yeah. they make no mistakes at all. And, you know, <laughs> their ass yeah. is golden. Pretty much. But one of my like signature jobs uh, mm-hmm. that I get hailed a lot for, because it's really hard to meet time for, I think I'm the only one. Yeah, I'm the only one that's ever made the time for the warranty time for that job. And the warranty time pays 18 hours for it. And you have to take a lot of things off. The gears and everything. It's a gear plate resale. And you have to set the lash for the gears. And it's just, it's a lot of stuff. And when I got there, I was doing gear plates uh, at a steady like 25 hours. Mm -hmm. And then I just started getting faster obviously i think the most recent one that i did within the last like month mm-hmm. i did it in 14.7 hours oh which wow. is like pretty fucking unheard of and yeah. i was yeah. proud of that i was really proud of that because it takes a long time to do that job and to do it right especially but um yeah from those gear plate resales so when you put a gear plate on Mm-hmm. It's going on the back of an engine, right? And the right. back of the engine has these oil galleys that are cut into the steel. Yeah. And the plate, you're supposed to put silicone on it, and then you put it and made it with a block. But the big misconception that people have is that you need to put a lot of silicone so it doesn't leak next time. No, <laughs> because if you put a lot of silicone, what ends up happening is the silicone goes into those oil galleys mm-hmm. and those oil galleys are coming directly f- like up from where the main oil rifle, which goes to the connecting rods and the crankshaft. So the, <laughs> I'm getting like too into this now. Um, the oil Please. pump pumps oil. Yeah. It goes through the filters and then it comes through the main oil rifle and it lubes everything. But while it's doing that, you're getting, Um, oil coming from the top of the engine coming down into the gearing, but in through those galleys as well. So if you close off those galleys, you'll seize the engine. Okay. Meaning you need a new engine because you just fucked the the crankshaft up. Oh God. Um, And then engines are like, I want to say like 28 K. So they're not cheap. Do you feel like the industry makes it easy for people to not know things? Or do you feel like it, penalizes them if they don't then they have to be taught uh in regards to my job there is no way around it uh you can not want to learn it as much as you want but you're gonna have to because like okay we we just came out with a new engine it's common rail as opposed to just not common rail uh, higher pressure fuel injection Mm -hmm. so those engines came out in 2018 it is now 2021. So guess what we're seeing now? We're not seeing the old high-pressure fuel systems anymore. We're seeing even higher-pressure common rail fuel systems. And that's just how it is. You know, things phase out. And those engines from, you know, before, they're going to be gone eventually. Mm-hmm. And everything's just going to be common rail or they're going to change it again. And now... We have these engines, it's called a turbo compounding engine. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, those things, my gosh, they're massive. That's supposed to be like the new standard because it's more fuel efficient, mm-hmm. even though there are some very bad design choices, in <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, like 
even if you don't want to work on it. And a lot of people don't want to work on them because they see it and they're like, oh, I don't like it because it's new and I've never seen it before and I've never worked on it. And yeah, it is daunting at first because you're working with something that not only and not a lot of people have touched, but you've never touched. So Mm -hmm. you're hoping that you're taking it apart the right way while also like minimizing time Mm because you can take things apart, but you also have to be mindful of how you do it. Because if you're taking things, everything, every single thing apart, you're creating more work for yourself to go back together. So it's in your best interest to take things apart as an assembly, some things, not everything, because Mm -hmm. not everything can be taken apart um, as an assembly, but it's more beneficial to you if you take things apart as an assembly. That way, when you go back together, you're not putting, just piecing things together. So, yeah, I mean, nobody likes those engines and they're honestly, they're not that bad. It's just working on it. Unfortunately, they're going to take over what you know. So unless you get comfortable with being uncomfortable and stuff like that, you're you're always going to be behind the curve if you're not careful, right? And that's the thing. I mean, that's one of the greatest things about working for a dealership, which I do, is because we see the, the newest of everything. Mm-hmm. Like we have when the race for electric trucks began mm-hmm. because it's like the hub of trucking here in California. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is one of the biggest places where there's just trucks, like truck centers everywhere. You have Peterbilt, Kenworth, there's, it's just all trucks. Yeah. So a lot of those places are like little mom and pop shops. They're dealing with stuff that is like a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. Things that they don't want to take to the dealership because the dealership is more expensive. Um, you can get yeah. the same kind of work from a little hole in the wall and pay way less for it. So, yeah, no, I try not to go to the dealership unless I'm under warranty because the small businesses need to you to be happy. The big ones don't really, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if uh, multiple people have seized up engines and they're still got a job, you know. Yeah. I guess the best thing about working for a dealership is that, yeah, you're going to get all that training Mm -hmm. for free, you know, and it's going to be right when it happens. Like as soon as those engines drop, they're sending people out for training and the race for electric vehicles, AKA trucks, because high emissions and all that. Mm -hmm. We had the first like full electric trucks, the prototypes in the shop. Um, they're now being used by um, DHE, Amazon, of course. And um, right when the prototypes came out, Jeff Bezos came to the shop and immediately wanted to order 500, but they were still prototypes. Like we're still, we have a technician that's working with, um, with the engineers and he's actually the one that's writing all the, uh, the service literature for it. Wow. So as these trucks break down, he's writing the fix it stuff for it. So when these trucks start breaking down and there's a lot more of them, the technicians on the floor, when I get a job and it's an electric truck, I can go in through truck dealer portal, which is the portal that we use to, to look up information and get that information from online. 
so that I know how to do the job and break it down and all that stuff. So it's, it's interesting. Sounds like it's just constantly evolving and it's in real time and you're kind of part of it. And I mean, the fact that you overcame all this adversity and you built a career and now you're looking to start another career with your biochemistry and, you know, you're learning all these cool things that constantly have you almost on a daily basis evolve yourself and your skills. It's pretty awesome. I mean, you give yourself a pat on the shoulder and back there. It's a, it's pretty, it's just awesome. Sorry. It's like the only thing I can think of. It's awesome. Well, step by step, you know, it's just like anything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, trucks are fun. I had a good, I had a good run. (laughs) I think I'm just getting bored now because when, when I had first started, obviously I had a lot to catch up on. And now that I've been doing it for so long, at first, it was like, okay, beat warranty time mm-hmm. just to get better. That was always like my goal mm-hmm. so that I could finally just kind of be able to like complete jobs and relax for a minute before I go and grab another one. But then, I'll, you know, you start doing everything within a certain time and you're like, you know what? Uh, let me try and beat that time. And then like it was exciting for a little bit, but then I was just like, like I'm never gonna get I'm I'm never gonna beat my fourteen point seven hour time for a gear plate again. Like that's just impossible. <laughs> just, I don't even know how I did it that time. You were like, just in the zone, the gear plate zone. Yeah. Like it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun sometimes when I can challenge myself, but when it's not it's because it's not challenging anymore, really. I mean it's the same thing every day. So yeah. It, it's time for a change. So why biochemistry? Well, that was the plan straight out of high school, but I was in too much of a rush to move out of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved out at 19, so I should have not done that, obviously. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I was finally over 18, and I was like, I thought I knew better, and obviously I didn't wasn't wasn't very smart mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of missed out on the opportunity I started working and um, because I was working obviously I was paying rent somewhere already and then my friend was gonna lose a place and then that's when he was like well I'm going to Wyotech that's the school in Wyoming mm-hmm. so we went together like I just dropped everything in California and we picked our shit up and, and <laughs> went to Wyoming. Sounds like a grand adventure. Oh yeah. Wyoming's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I could take the note of sarcasm. <laughs> uh, it was, it was um, interesting. Uh-huh. Lot, lots and lots of uh, chewing tobacco cowboys and uh-huh. um Lots of Confederate flags. So you can imagine my joy upon arriving, especially since they had like literally no chill. Like they would, (laughs) they would hang the Confederate flags from their doors, from their windows. They had them on their trucks. It was, uh, it was interesting. I bet. That sounds terrible. I'm sorry. 
don't know. It, 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 I didn't really go out that much. So I, ju- I just stuck to studying, really, in video games. So, oh, and I worked at the same time when I was there, too. Um, when I used to work two jobs, mm-hmm. I was working 180 hours. What? Biweekly. How did you find the time? Oh, I don't think you understand. I was, I would wake up at five, four, whatever, mm-hmm. go to work, then leave at 3.30. That's when my shift ends. Go drive over to Anaheim, work over there mm-hmm. till like one, two, three in the morning, go home, which is like at an hour and 30 away, sleep for an hour, two hours, get up, do it again. That was that was like six days a week. How the hell did you survive that? Like that is sleep deprivation. You, you realize this, right? You've like. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. But. A lot of it was uh, <laughs> soda and coffee. Oh, I don't drink coffee. Okay. I don't really drink soda either. So, so how um, did you fuel your body? It's like that sounds, I'm, I'm very impressed, but also like, how the fuck did you do that? Well, because of the fact that I was making more money, obviously, thankfully, mm-hmm. Um, I had a partner that I worked with at the shop and then mm-hmm. at the other shop. So we were always together. Mm-hmm. And because we were making more money, we could go to like in between jobs, we could go to like a place and actually eat decent food, you know, <laughs> instead okay. of like Jack in the Box or McDonald's or whatever. So we ate pretty well. But we had to eat a lot. And the thing is, is like, you get tired. I think we would get tired by like the third day in a row. Uh And then that's when you just realize, well, you just got to eat because it's the only way to get energy. If you're not eating, you're not, you know, you're not going to have any energy. And I don't like energy drinks. I don't, Mm -hmm. I, don't like the smell of coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't like the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. And energy drinks give me stomach aches. So it's a no-go. <laughs> right. But also, like, people crash from that. So it's like, you can only go so many days and then have an energy drink. And if you're on day five, mm-hmm. have an energy drink midday, mm-hmm. and then you crash, like, you're not coming back. like good luck making it home because your ass is probably gonna fall asleep Mm -hmm. in your car or something so uh yeah no none of that so it's just eating eating to to help your body create energy make it happen but damn okay you are an amazing person that's all i gotta say you're too kind. No, it's, it's true. You you sustained for nine months, or no? You sustained for a really for a good amount of time on two an an hour to two hours of sleep a day, and must have died the seventh day. But you kept oh, waking yeah. up and you kept going, Oof. and you know, and now you're a kick-ass mechanic who works on diesel engines, and now you are becoming a biochemist to save the world. I'm sure. 
probably. But, you know, it's not you, you. And then you had to deal with adversity in the workplace to get to where you are today. And I mean, you're pretty a badass. So, yeah, you're badass. Just accept it. We're all badass because I think women in general have a lot of things that they feel like they have to prove in a workplace and Mm -hmm. regardless of whatever workplace that you're in, because most of the workplaces are male dominated. Mm -hmm. So, and I've noticed that like, I I haven't really been uh, (laughs) in a workplace where it's more female than male. But I just feel like there's a lot of just ganging up on each other, which is kind of crazy to me because you would think that you'd be like helping somebody else up, especially like another female. It doesn't always work that way. I think. But it's challenging. I think the thing is, is that like I've been listening to this book. I forgot what it was called. Uh, Dystopian and gender, something like that. And it just started it. And basically what it is, is that we are naturally predetermined to imagine women not as leaders, but as caregivers. And it's also because society has created this uh, genderization for us. So men are politicians, men are all these things. But then the moment a woman is shown in a position that normally a man would have been in, they suddenly can see themselves in it, but they still do not view women as leaders. So while they can imagine themselves in these roles that they didn't have that they didn't have access to before for whatever reason, they can see themselves at it at it now. But their mind programming still views it that a woman cannot be a leader, which is funny. So it kind of creates this idea that while we should be helping each other get to that next level, we because the we have this idea of scarcity both from a male and female perspective, it creates a lot of cattiness amongst females who've gotten to that place. And they don't necessarily open the door because they might lose their place that they work so hard for. I don't know if this is changing. At least I'm hoping it is. But at least that's what the book was. It seemed the book was saying. I don't know if that's true, but I think the newer generation might be changing it. God, I hope so. Right? It really does need to change. It does. I mean, the more that we move forward, the less we'll need humans for certain things. Uh, Things need to change because technology is just going to keep pushing us forward or it's going to divide us too easy. I mean, think about like if we were to look at what happened with the Panini pandemic pandemic. We have all these news outlets that can offer us misinformation and people who do not like what they are hearing because it goes against what they think is their perceived right. Latch on to it. And it's becoming easier and easier to v- divide people as opposed to bring them together. I swear, it's, it's just so noisy right now. And I mean, we have to work almost doubly hard in order to try to find common ground sometimes. That's my opinion, at least. So it's what it feels like. Yeah, I I had watched a TED talk on, um, well, on political party systems. Mm-hmm. But uh, this guy was talking about how 
people are becoming so so stubborn in a way with their beliefs that they're not even willing to hear another side and that that is causing a rift between how we see people which obviously you're going to think of you're going to think less generally is what he said that people generally think less of somebody or think that they don't have the same um, intelligence as they do if they think a specific way or view, have a different opinion than they do. And that it's basically just creating a divide. And I agree. Yeah. And that the right way to approach thing is, is obviously to listen to what somebody has to say and be open to maybe changing your mind provided that, you know, they give you factual evidence and you can, you know, fact check things like that. But that's, that's another one of the issues is the fact that people don't fact check. They're just so used to going online and especially people that aren't really tech savvy. They don't check their sources. They just go to the, they see something on the sidebar, an ad of, you know, something's happening in the world and they click on it and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And that whole thing could like change their whole perception of anything because they're believing whatever that person wrote. And it could be like the onion, you know, something that's just so far-fetched. Like, okay, a good one, like we had talked about earlier COVID coming through cellular towers. Who and like, where did that come from? Like, who started that? But it's probably like something like the onion. That is something you would see on the onion. <laughs> probably. I mean, the thing is, is that information is so easy to find now too, right? Misinformation, good information. And then people start questioning sources. And there's this feeling of a lack of trust in sources that you at one time thought were credible because even credible sources are becoming sources of clickbait and they're not always spreading the same kind of thing. Like CNN is not always non, uh, non-partisan, uh, bipartisan. I got those words mixed up. They have their own agenda and they're going to spread yeah. those things. And they were at one time a very credible source, but even now, their credibility is in question sometimes because they have played into certain um, media aspects or trends that they see. And instead of reporting non-biasedly about issues and stuff, they don't, you know, and how do you trust that when something that you thought you could trust, you find out you can't trust. And then you're trying to navigate this very treacherous time or this very trying time because COVID is new. It is, it's something that's affected everybody and it's changed the landscape of the way people interact, the way people feel safe, the way people go to the grocery store. I mean, I won't go to a grocery store that's packed anymore. I normally would go in the evening. My entire day has changed. You know, I think COVID while shitty in the whole aspect of it, it's also opening up people's eyes to things that were not as cool as they were before because we didn't have the time 
to look at them because we were too busy trying to pay our bills, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the, it's a good thing and a bad thing, obviously, but it's great that people are just standing up and saying, no, like, I'm not going to work under these conditions. I'm not going to be treated this way for the pay that you're giving me, which is pretty much nothing. Because if, if there's anything that we all know, minimum wage jobs are they can't pay the bills. If you, there's no way Mm -mm. you're going to be able to own a house with a minimum wage job. It's just, you can't, you can barely own a car. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, they, they say, yes, there's jobs out there. Yeah. Jobs that don't pay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, yeah, you're not even getting hours either. It's sparing and your schedule's all over the place. So yeah, there's jobs, but they're not, reliable jobs they're not jobs to build a life on you can't you're you're basically a piece of a cog that you may or may not be respected it's yeah it's bullshit nobody wants that no nobody wants that no not not especially now with the landscape the way it is and the fact that so many people who who have been forced out of work because of the pandemic i mean to try to even be able to keep doing that is it's like i don't want to do that anymore and you aren't going to have enough workers either way if you keep if you keep stabbing them in the back in some form or, or another it doesn't work and we got to stop trying to make the old way work because the old way kind of led to portions of what's going on now you know yeah it's not just the pandemic that's a problem it's also the fact that we created this financial system that relies heavily on money that gets made when people are laid off or shareholder supremacy they don't they they could easily sell those stocks if the company starts tanking i mean truthfully gamestop was saved and it was a miracle and it played the same system that the people didn't like i thought that was awesome but but they were willing to tank a business in order to get financial gains there's something wrong with that when the stock market is allowed to hold more supremacy over the livelihood of citizens who need jobs. That's something that needs to be changed. The whole shorting of uh, stocks is ridiculous. And they overshorted a stock and then they wanted their money back. You, you should not be able to play two sides and win. No. You should have to risk something. And before the stock market was a game of risk, but now it's just, oh, if I can short a stock, I'll always win. It's, these are people's livelihood half the time when they do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a selfish way to go, but that's, the, that's how it is it's a problem it truly is is a problem (laughs) it's got to change it can't keep staying like that or we're just going to create bubbles and the only people who are going to be in any way shape or form okay are the people who can weather the bubble when it bursts i mean the housing market might actually burst there's a bubble right now oh yeah especially since so many of these hedge funds and financial houses are overpaying for um, certain places of property and in um, spaces that don't denote the price tag they're offering. It's, it's a very big bubble that's going to burst, especially in those little areas. Yeah, I think we're, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, unfortunately, it's not interesting scary. in a good way, but like interesting in like, oh, well, that happened. <laughs> you know, like, well, I, I expected it to happen, but. Mm-hmm. Here it is. 
a very different thing, right? When you when you can see the wave coming and then you get hit by it, <laughs> you're like, well, shit, still sucks. Yeah, it still it still sucks. But it's like, what are you gonna do? Uh huh. This has been really fun, but this is probably a good place to stop. Any last words before we go? Uh, no, I think, I think I'm good. All right, before we go, let listeners know where they can find you at. All right, uh, my name is Jess, and you can follow me on Tumblr at Mysterious Value and on AO3 with the same name. And you can follow me on Tumblr and Twitter as Fandom Is Us, on AO3 as Ayaka Spencer, and on Instagram as The Podcat. All this info is available following the link in the description. A huge thank you to my lovely fan beans and Patreon supporters for tuning in. And last, don't forget to show some love to your favorite fandom creators. Always try to find that common ground, and no matter what anyone says, you are a creative and beautiful person. Peace out, Rainbow Chouts. I guess this is where we sign off, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. You too.